Welcome to the Are You Future Ready podcast. Are you curious about technology, innovation, and how you can stay ahead? Then you've come to the right place. In our series, we tap into the minds of people behind innovation. This podcast is brought to you by LR's Product Development and Innovation Center. Hi, I'm Linda Garib, your host of the RU Future Ready podcast. Today, we'll talk about the latest findings from the 2021 Future Ready Lawyer Report with our guests, David Ladd, founder of AboveTheLaw.com and founder of Original Jurisdiction, who's joining us today from Summit, New Jersey, and Dean Sonderegger, the head of the Walters Kluwer Legal and Regulatory U.S. Business, who's joining us today from New York City. Welcome to the podcast, David and Dean. And Dean, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Linda. Happy to be here. Yep, thank you, Linda. Great. Well, let's uh, go ahead and uh, get started. First of all, I'd like each of you to please uh, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about what you do. Uh, my name is David Latt, and uh, as you mentioned, I'm the founding editor of AboveTheLaw.com. Uh, which is a widely read legal news website. And I'm also the founder of Original Jurisdiction, uh, which is a newsletter and website on the Substack platform uh, that I just started uh, within the past year uh, uh, covering law and legal affairs. Uh, I'm a lawyer by training, and I practiced for about seven years or so before I moved into legal journalism, uh, starting above the law in 2006. I left Above the Law in 2019 and worked for two years actually in the field of legal recruiting, which was a fairly interesting detour. And then uh, in 2020, uh, I uh, started Original Jurisdiction during the pandemic. Like a lot of us, I had some realizations about what I really wanted to focus on professionally, and uh, that would be writing. So uh, I am a writer about law and the legal profession. Great. I'm, I'm Dean Sondreger. Uh, as Linda mentioned, I run the legal and regulatory business in the United States for Walters Kluwer. Uh, I, it's an interesting thing. We are traditionally a publisher, uh, so a content business, but I think what we're focused on a lot right now is looking at how one can apply content with technology to help drive legal professionals to better efficiency in the, in the things that they're trying to do. And, and really, I think the interesting thing is to try and drive better outcomes. Uh, and I've come to this uh, world from a misspent youth is actually, if you go back in time, I used to write software for a living, and I at some point in time changed over to uh, business and management. And uh, and I think a lot of the reason why I am in the role that I'm in is that I, th I think that we look at the future of uh, even content offerings as being much more software-like. And so the Future Ready Lawyer uh, survey and talking about legal and technology together is a great topic for me and something that I think about every day. I'd like to give a bit of background uh, for our listeners about the 2021 Future Ready Lawyer Global Survey. It captures key insights from over 700 legal professionals on how the adoption of technology has accelerated over this past year in the legal sector and what we can expect as we move beyond the pandemic. So uh, during the survey, we uh, also interviewed some of our uh, luminaries, uh, which includes Bob Ambrosi, and he has just such a great quote uh, that the toothpaste is out of the tube and no one should even bother to try to squeeze it back in with regard to tech adoption. And there's no going back. So I'd like to start off to hear your perspectives on 
what changes made during the pandemic do you think are going to stay with us? And then which ones do you think we will revert back to once we're back in offices? Yeah, so I think I totally agree with Bob uh, uh, for starters. Uh, We really are not going to go back to the way that we practiced law and worked in law offices uh, pre-pandemic. I think one of the things where we will see both a persistence of what happened during the pandemic, but also a partial reversion is in terms of where we work. Uh, Right now, many of us are working remotely. I think that as the pandemic abates, hopefully, um, many firms are going to move to a hybrid model where you work partly uh, in the office and partly from home. So in a way, we're kind of going back and we are kind of uh, keeping with something that came about during the pandemic. Uh, My husband, for example, works at a boutique law firm and they're going to be in the office two to three days a week, which is about the average among the large law firms that I tend to write about, uh, two to three days uh, in the office. The other thing that I think we're going to see is, again, uh, some things will be in person, but some things will be remote. So if you think of court proceedings, depositions, and client meetings, I think we're all just a lot more comfortable with doing things remotely over video. Um, But I think for very important matters, uh, we will be in person. So for example, if we have a routine status conference for a case, if we have the deposition of a not super important witness, I think a lot of that's going to be remote and it saves clients money and it saves clients and lawyers time. Uh, But for something very important, the deposition of the CEO, uh, a jury trial in a big case, I think that will once again be in person once the world uh, fully reopens. So it's going to be very interesting to see how the future of work evolves and uh, you know, companies like Walters Kluwer that are really very much technology companies as well as content companies are going to be a critical part of that. Yeah, I think that that's, that's interesting points, David, and I think that that matches with a lot of the conversations I've had with my clients um, around that hybrid kind of work environment. I think a really interesting dimension uh, to that that we haven't really played through will be emerging uh, lawyers or new lawyers, if you will, emerging from law school, because I think there's already generational differences in terms of work-life balance and and, in terms of of being remote versus being in person. And I think it's gonna be very hard for uh, firms to mandate uh, all of their uh, new incoming associates are in the office all the time which then starts to raise a training issue is how do we, how these attorneys start to become more effective. So I think that'll be an interesting thing to see how that plays out. I've seen some firms also talking about the fact that they think that over time, um, they're gonna see changes to the ratio of partners and associates. And there's a push to fewer associates um, and more outsourcing, working with uh, alternative legal service providers. I think that's an interesting thing that's made easier um, by the remote work, if you will, uh, going through that. So, so I do agree. I think you see some movement um, to opening up to more um, remote work, and it has some implications uh, beyond just uh, uh, the fact that people are not sitting in the office itself. You know, video conferencing aside, because sometimes that's the first technology that I think we've all uh, gotten accustomed to over uh, the last uh, year and a half, some firms are still skeptical about adopting technology uh, because they can bill more hours and doing things the way they've always been done. Um, you know, so how are how are leading firms adopting technology while maintaining high levels of profitability? Uh, I think that the the interesting thing is that you see that firms that invest in technology 
on average tend to be, which we would call leading firms, tend to be more profitable than their peers. So it's an interesting thing. One might think logically that the idea of, hey, I've made my workflow more efficient um, is going to impact profitability, but we're actually seeing kind of the opposite effect, if you will. And in fact, the firms that invest in the least amount of technology tend to be reporting the least gains in profitability. And I think that that um, matches a lot when I talk with corporate legal. Uh, what I hear from them is that they're more than happy to do shared risk and reward around uh, engagements with their clients and have law firms that make an effort towards becoming more efficient be able to charge a higher effective rate, if you will, as they're more profitable on the work that they do. What they're not happy about doing is maximizing the, the revenue, so the top line, if you will, for an engagement. Uh, I think well, the corporate legal is very skeptical of traditional billing models, even though I think we're going to continue to be effectively in the billable hour for a long time. There are curbs that get put on these engagements uh, or charges that get basically um, uh, eliminated through the review process that make them look like an AFA, even if they're effectively a billable hour. So I think that that, that you're, you're starting to see really the client demand drive more technology adoption and changes in that behavior. Yeah, I think going uh, back to something that Dean mentioned earlier about alternative legal service providers, a lot of in-house lawyers that I talk to often have a preferred uh, ALSP of choice, and sometimes they will urge, recommend, or even require their outside law firm to work with this alternative legal services provider uh, because often the ALSP is more efficient at certain tasks uh, than the law firm. So again, I think there is a lot of emphasis on efficiency right now, and firms that are resistant to technology, which historically was a fair number of firms, are really going to find it harder to thrive in this environment. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I hear firms actually, just to carry on with that, who say it's a routine thing in the bidding process when they go through and bid for work that they're expected to partner with one of the big four or another ALSP. And it's just something that that's part of what happens at this point in time. Great segue to our next question too. You know, what are some of those you know top technologies that you see as critical for legal professionals' current and future success? I think uh, there are a couple I would mention, and these were identified in uh, the Future Ready Lawyer Report, and I totally agree with the responses of the survey takers. Uh, I think the first, uh, aside from video conferencing, of course, would be collaboration tools for document and contract drafting and reviewing. Uh, because we are working remotely, uh, it is more important than ever to be able to work cooperatively on documents, on projects. But we don't have the ability to just walk down the hall or pop our head into somebody's office and say, hey, what's going on? So a lot of that has to take place in some kind of technologically enabled platform. Uh, we're using Teams right now to speak to each other. And Teams, of course, has this kind of functionality. But lots of other uh, platforms do as well. Uh, and you can put your comments on the document into this shared platform. You can make your edits. People can see the edit history. I think that's very important. The second thing I would mention is automation of document and contract creation. I'd say that that's kind of like the next level up from editing an existing contract because in some ways, 
creating the contract or the document in the first instance can be a little bit uh, more challenging. But the technology is improving and it's getting to a point where, yes, you can use technology to at least create the first draft of a contract, especially if you essentially populated the platform with some of your precedents or your templates. And then I guess the third and final thing I would mention, which is also mentioned uh, you know, in the Future Ready Lawyer Report, is just cloud services. All of this is taking place in the cloud. It's not in the computers on our desks. I don't even bother saving documents really that much to my desktop a computer anymore because I know they're in the cloud. I know they're in Google Drive or wherever they're being stored. And why should I waste uh, space on my computer? It's actually in many ways more secure to keep them uh, in the cloud. If I lose my computer, if it gets stolen, if it gets broken into, if it gets damaged, well, there are my documents. They're gone. But uh, I trust Google's uh, infrastructure more than I trust uh, David Latz. So I think cloud uh, technology is something that firms are and in-house legal departments are really going to have to invest in because that's the bandwidth you need to do uh, all of the things we've been talking about. Yeah, and, and I think that it kind of speaks back to Bob's quote, right? Is to say that some of these things, once they're out, the toothpaste is out of the tube, it's not going back in. And, and so while we've been working remotely, and I think Teams is a great example, but any of the collaboration tools that, that you've got, it's going to be very hard to pull those back out of the hands of people. And I don't think there's an intent to do so either, to be fair. But but I, I, I think if you see that, I think on the deal side, the thing I would add to um, what David says, I think you do see some of these e-signature packages that for, for like complex M&A deals where you've got just a ridiculous amount of closing documents around there. I think you see a lot of automation there, um, uh, things. It's really interesting to me though, I think what you've seen is a lot of collaboration and automation um, uh, emphasis over the last year. And I think that's been to some extent pandemic driven. If we walk back a couple of years ago, we were kind of more in the magical, we we're in a mixture of two things. Predictive analytics or analytics built around things, which uh, has been an evolution I think that's come and is, is being used. And then what I would call as the magical AI tool. Um, and so there were a few of these that came around where it's um, kind of artificial intelligence is going to be the artificial lawyer, uh, the end of lawyers or whatever have whichever uh, Susskind book that we wish to refer to. Um, but uh, it, it just it's going to have this transformational thing. And I think it has been transforming all the tools and the practice very quietly. It's just not this um, impulse that we shift on a dime for um, is guess what I would say. You know, hopefully we're now starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, but what do you think firms or organizations should be doing to prepare themselves for the next crisis? Yeah, I think that um, I'll start with this. I think that when we look at the firms that did well um, at the beginning of the crisis here, those were firms that largely had already started to put their toe in the water for remote work and collaboration, had, had, had made some investments into that. And so what they were doing is they were adapting a plan um, in real time at probably a scale that they didn't plan on doing it. Um, there were firms that struggled quite a bit with the infrastructure pieces around this uh, to get started. And, and I think those were firms that had not you know, done some of the planning. So I guess the, the general thing I would think of is, is it's probably helpful to sit and think about where is the future of work going, if you will, and then starting to experiment with that and to plan some around those things so that when you get into a situation that's a crisis, um, it's not something that you're starting from the first page. You know, as, as the quote goes, it's a, the beauty of having a plan is that when something 
goes completely off the rails, at least you have something to throw out the window, and, and it, but it's your starting point, <laughs> right? Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and I think that that would be what I would say for that. I, I totally agree with what uh, Dean was just saying. And I guess what I would just add to that is one thing that's really important uh, is how can a firm or a legal department preserve its culture when you're not necessarily in the same office or in the same room? So the technology, the collaboration, the video conferencing are all great. But Dean alluded earlier to the challenge of training and professional development. I'm actually working on a story right now about innovations in training and professional development uh, that have come about during the pandemic that's kind of been one of the silver linings of this that I'm going to publish on my Substack original jurisdiction. uh, Because getting lawyers trained in both the way that you do certain tasks at your firm, but also in the values of your firm and the traditions of your firm, that's a lot trickier when people are not in that same space. So what I would say to firms is pay attention to your culture. It's a huge asset. And how do you make sure that you're maintaining that asset in this new remote or hybrid environment? Yeah. Great advice. Thank you. As we think about the future, you know, what advice would you give to listeners about becoming future ready to move beyond the pandemic? I think that one of the top priorities, Linda, just has to be, you know, be nimble. Uh, It's really hard to say in advance, given what we've seen in the past 18 months or so, you should do X, you should do Y, because situations are constantly changing. Even look at the pandemic. I think in June or July, everyone was thinking, okay, we're going to be back by Labor Day. And then we saw COVID cases increase because of the Delta variant. And now some firms are looking at October and some firms are looking at January. So you really do have to roll with the punches in this environment, both as a firm, but also as an individual lawyer. And lawyers like to plan. They like to think weeks, months, years ahead. But I think for a lot of listeners, you may have to let go of that a little bit. You may have to say, you know what, maybe I can plan my day or maybe I can plan my week. But even planning three months ahead of time, which used to not really be that hard a thing, is very difficult right now. Uh, But law firms are really good about prioritizing the safety and the well-being of uh, their employees. Uh, I had a very serious case of COVID last year. I was in the hospital for three weeks, so I know very well how serious it can be. And so I think it's great that firms are focusing on safety and well-being. uh, And you just have to really, again, adjust to the changing conditions. So I guess if I had advice for listeners, maybe, you know, usually the advice is plan, plan, plan. And I think you should plan and maybe have multiple plans. But I guess what I would say is don't get wedded to too wedded to any particular plan, because as uh, Dean was saying, you might have to throw it out the window. And, and I, I, I couldn't agree more with that. And I think that the thing I would say that is is key also with this is that uh, when you're in a, um, a static kind of environment where there's not changes going, um, you, you can do the same thing day in and day out and, and you can be very successful with that. I think when the, the, the needs of the market change, and, and David talked, I think, very accurately about the, the, the change, for instance, in, in the idea of ALSPs and, and lower cost labor and the, in the, in the move to, you know, a number of firms actually have their own branches that are ALSPs, but they're also working closely with. 
I think it's important to understand what the needs of the clients are as far as I go. So I think that there's a subset of work right now that you see out there. And so you have the bet the company litigation, you have a need to be in front of a, uh, a judge and a jury with a highly empathetic uh, litigator that can understand what people are thinking by looking at them, um, you know, billion dollar M&A deals. Those things are gonna be going to the firms no matter what at this point in time. Um, there's not enough of that to survive, to have the entire legal industry survive off of just that. So then the next set of stuff is the stuff I think that is at risk with um, uh, a number of these uh, firms. And, and, and I think that that is where you have to get very close to your clients. Right. And I think that that is just making sure that as you go through a crisis like this, you're understanding what's going on, what the client's needs are changing and how you can help them through that. Um, and that flows back into, uh, you know, the success of the firm as far as that goes. So that's what I would say is make sure that you don't lose um, a connection, if you will, even in a strange environment that we're in right now uh, with those clients. David and Dean, thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, we look forward to having you both back on the show soon. Thank you. Thank you, Linda. Thank, thank you, you Linda. Thank you, Dean. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Are You Future Ready podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode.